When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. start your weekend off correctly forget the fpl deadline forget the premier league games coming up and forget the days of social media wall-to-wall premier league coverage this is the barclays and we're covering the premier league from its inception to the current day month by month today of course being the first episode we're looking at august and september in 1992 and the inception let's get stuck in to the very first season of the premier league to imagine a world without the Premier League, without football primarily being on TV, what kind of bittered hellscape wasteland of a country would be living in? Well, they called it the 1980s and it wasn't a good time for football and in particular, it was not a good time for English football. We had stadium disasters, we had the Valley Parade, stadium fire in 85, of course Hillsborough in 1989, one of the very few games that would have been televised at the time being an FA Cup semi-final of course between Liverpool and Nottingham Forest. Another dark side to English football was hooliganism, running rampant in society in football, the trouble at the European Championships in 1980 in Italy left a very very sour taste in across the minds of European football fans towards the English England were fined very heavily for the the their participation in the hooliganism at the championships England being fined one pound for every supporter alleged to have been in Italy so around eight thousand pounds of course front and center of this came five years later the 1985 European Cup final 
could have been a celebration of some of Europeans' best Europe's best footballers in Michel Platini, multiple Ballon d'Or winner, a European champion from the European Championships in 1984 with France, of course, playing his football, his club football with Juventus, Liverpool gunning for what would have been a fifth European Cup and another one in succession. They were European champions going into the game, but the final in Hazel in Brussels was marred by the death of 39 Juventus fans at the heart of its hooliganism at its centre from those English in attendance there. Around this time, fans were merely viewed as hooligans. It was a predominantly white male excursion. The likes of John Barnes and many others around this time suffered horrific racial abuse. And the consequences to Hazel, Margaret Thatcher, the Prime Minister of Britain at the time pulled England out of European football competitions and as a result English clubs were banned and they would only return in the 1990s with Liverpool given an extra year ban there, six years for their involvement of this and as a result England fans were viewed with such suspicion that they would be patrolled very heavily at Italia 90, kept in Sardinia away from the other the other football fans at the tournament. Meanwhile on the continent, what did we have? We had Italian football splashing the cash. We had Jean-Pierre Papin and Olympique Marseille ruling the world. Barcelona had the dream team and Johan Cruyff. AC Milan had Arrigo Sacchi and Fabio Capello. And England, well, their saviour turned out to be B-Sky B. They purchased the TV rights for top flight football in England in 1992 and the Premier League had broken off from the remainder of the 72 Football League clubs. There had been so little football on television that match of the day, the highlight show, was the prevalent source of all the football that you got. And even at some points, it was just one game a week. And that was your fill for the entire week, just 90 minutes of football. Nowadays, of course, football is on literally every single day, whether you want it or not. The first piece of live league football was broadcast in 1983 for the very first time in 23 years in a game between Tottenham Hotspur and Nottingham Forest. But with the disasters in stadiums, the hooliganism and the negative viewpoint on the whole of football, the £44 million TV deal for ITV seems pale in comparison to the, the kind of numbers being thrown around this day, but... In the 1980s, it was seen to be burning a hole in ITV's pocket and Sky quickly took the mantle of this. Richard Keyes, Andy Gray, Martin Tyler fronted the coverage. But despite all the window shopping, the little dressing that Sky had put on English football, it was inevitably still stuck in the 80s. But with B Sky B, with the Premier League, came promised money and promised money would change the landscape more so in a couple of years' time, but in 1992, the impact of money had bumped things up a little bit in England, and the landscape was on its way to changing at least, before even a ball was kicked in August 1992. Sheffield Wednesday brought the likes of Chris Waddle in and Mark Brightwood joining by September. Dion Dublin would sign for Manchester United for £1.3 million before, in November, a much more significant signing that you may remember up top, but more on that in the coming weeks. Martin Keown was signed for Arsenal for £2.7 million from Everton, meanwhile, going the other way to Leeds, though. David Rowe Castle for £2.1 million. 
although his best days were firmly behind him due to injury. Dean Saunders made the made the move from Liverpool to Aston Villa for 2.5 million, as we'll discuss, was free scoring at the start. But the big money was being splurged by the newly promoted Blackburn Rovers and their owner Jack Walker in the very first occasion, at least in England, of a owner bankrolling to such a degree the transfers of his team. Alan Shearer was signed for a British record £4 million. Meanwhile, the likes of Stuart Ripley, Tim Sherwood, Graham Lusso and Henning Berger also brought in. And after the opening day, Teddy Sheringham broke Spurs' bank, almost quite literally, with a £2.8 million signing from Nottingham Forest Spurs, of course, rebounding still from financial destitution in the wake of the FA Cup final win in 1991. So with Teddy Sheringham in the history books, he would make the history for good reasons on the football pitch, and that was on the opening weekend. And to preface this, we got the iconic hype package from Sky featuring Simple Minds on the soundtrack, Alive and Kicking. A whole new ball game was the tagline. Andy Gray in an interview said it was going to be more of the same, so technically not whole new, really. But he also promised more comprehensive coverage, every little detail explored, which would have been his downfall back in 2011, wouldn't it? With every little detail of his microphone explored on that occasion. Richard Keyes' long-standing partner, used buzzwords such as anticipation and other such bollocks. Weekends would never be the same. Also, Mondays are also now part of the weekend. And uh, Monday Night Football featured, um, I think it was a short-lived feature at the time, um, the cheerleaders, the Sky Strikers. Um, yeah, <laughs> said about that, the better. So we get into the opening weekend and we have history made. Someone had to score the first Premier League goal, didn't they? And who else but Brian Dean scoring one of Sheffield United's goals in a shocking 2-1 win over Manchester United in the very first Premier League game. Not televised on Sky, funnily enough, as Sky would only hold the hosting rights to Super Sunday and Monday Night Football at the time. Manchester United, although they hadn't won the Premier League since 1968, came achingly close to the league title in 1992 where they ceded control of the league for just another year to Leeds United. Speaking of Leeds United, they opened up their defence of the trophy, the brand spanking new trophy, of course, to uh, at home to Wimbledon, a 2-1 win there. We also won the charity shield in and amongst the uh, rabble for the Premier League present preparation. And in the first ever Super Sunday, Teddy Sheringham twats the first sky goal in 29 minutes on the clock. In a 1-0 win over Liverpool, Brian Clough providing entertainment in the interviews, the barrage of interviews that they would now have to withstand in the uh, intervening couple of hours there. And the first Monday night football saw Manchester City and QPR, an iconic Premier League fixture of years ahead, really. And uh, parachutists were employed to deliver the football as uh, Sky envisioned to make football louder, brighter, wackier, crazier scarier, more dangerous. And uh, Ian Dark was at this time on commentary on Monday, throwing shade at Halifax Towns, using uh, them in a disparaging light to say that football isn't like this up at the Shea, thankfully. Uh, but when a match finally kicks off in and amongst all the hubbub, uh, Andy Sinton bags an absolute screamer coming off the back of a forgettable European Championship campaign for England in 1992. 
And in and amongst this, I did notice that Sky were using um, 0 to 45 for both halves, like La Liga did back in the day, not uh, 0 to 90 as they do now, which is the norm. And thankfully, the norm who can be, be adding 45 plus 20, 27 in a, in a scary part of the game in the second half, not me. So, elsewhere on the opening day of the weekend, Norwich stunned Arsenal 4-2 at Highbury, a double from Mark Robbins overturning a 2-0 lead for Arsenal into a 4-2 win for Norwich, as Norwich really laid down a marker in the early days of the Premier League to say that they're there and they're ready to win the league title. Um, there's a late draw as uh, Mick Harford and Nick Henry share the goals in a 1-1 in a draw at a much different looking Stamford Bridge in a 1-1 draw between them and Oldham Athletic. 84th minute and 86th minute, those goals going. Coventry get off to a good start, winning 2-1 against Middlesbrough. Alan Shearer, two scoring and two absolute belters against Crystal Palace. Ultimately, though, in a 3-3 draw. Everton and Sheffield Wednesday share the spoils in a 1-1. Scoreline, Ipswich and Aston Villa do the same. And Southampton and Tottenham, the onus falls on them to provide the first goalless draw of the Premier League era. Two teams had to do it and really in an epitome of Southampton, really in the 90s, it had to be them, really. Neither the here nor there sort of hovered around 12th to 19th. The only really, really reason that I'd be more apt for two teams would be if it was Southampton versus Coventry. Ran in very similar circles, did Southampton and Coventry in the 90s, from firmly between 11th and 20th, or rather 11th and 17th, saying safe in the Premier League, but not doing much of anything, really. So the following week, and the Premier League is still around. It was a success, after all. Norwich beat Chelsea 2-1, Mark Robbins yet again, um, coming off the back of a transfer from Manchester United and really laying down a marker for him and Norwich, completing another comeback against another big London club, although Chelsea at this time, you could argue, aren't necessarily quote-unquote big. Alan Shea, Arsenal is undone by Alan Shearer. Arsenal not off to a fantastic start, really. Two losses from two. Alan Shearer nicking a late winner at home. Meanwhile, Ipswich continue their good start. Four points from possible six with a with a win at away at Wimbledon at Sellers Park. You may recall they were playing there. Liverpool bounced back immediately from their loss on Super Sunday to beat Sheffield United. Again, another 2-1 scoreline for Sheffield United there. Meanwhile, Oldham and Crystal Palace, Aston Villa and Leeds also share the points. Middlesbrough get off the mark with an early Bernie Slaven double. Who remembers him? Certainly I don't. Um, in a win there against Man City. Meanwhile, Les Ferdinand gets off the mark with a brace for QPR against Southampton. And another man at the double is David Hurst scoring for Sheffield Wednesday, bringing Brian Clough and Nottingham Forest back down to earth. They wouldn't win for the remainder of August and September, opening up the Premier League and Sky, really with a 1-0 win against Liverpool and then crashing down to earth and sloping off into the relegation places. Aston Villa record another draw in the third match week against Southampton, which Ron Atkinson, very unhappy at this result. Ron Atkinson, not happy with his team, didn't have the greatest of starts, but would obviously rebound in this uh, in this season. And the other Atkinson, Daly and Atkinson, scoring on the back post, but uh, Southampton proving they're not at the races as well just yet. The biggest game in terms of star power is also on this week, week three, with uh, Anders Limpar and Ian Wright scoring in a 2-0 win for Arsenal at Anfield. So more than a whiff of the uh, title decider in 1989 about that one. Sheffield Wednesday and Chelsea play out an entertaining 3-3 draw with an absolutely sublime solo goal from Graeme Stewart in that one would be a... 
an early talisman in the early days of the Premier League. Meanwhile, same for Mike Newell, who scored the winner for Blackburn against Man City. And Leeds are pumped in, would you deem it a Yorkshire derby against Middlesbrough? I certainly wouldn't. Um, they're beaten 4-1, the champions at Ayrson Park. Not the Riverside just yet. Give it a couple more years and we will be firmly in the Riverside. Norwich and Ipswich are both held in Anglia and Suffolk, respectively, to Everton and Manchester United, respectively. Meanwhile, Nottingham Forest's dip continues shipping five of the best against Oldham. Oldham were 5 nil ups of Forest and effectively made it respectable very late on. QPR's run continues. Dennis Bale in, in a late winner against Sheffield United, 3-2. Meanwhile, Steve Sedgley steals a point for Tottenham against Crystal Palace. Tottenham not really coming good either, despite the signing of Teddy Sheringham, who would come in in the uh, coming weeks. Meanwhile, Coventry get off the mark with a win at Sellhurst to Wimbledon. Wimbledon not really having a great time of it in uh, at home there, but Wimbledon were again a team like Southampton, Coventry, not really doing much of anything. I think they recorded a top six finish maybe this season, maybe the following season. But again, a team that were neither here nor there, almost coasting off their 1988 FA Cup final win over Liverpool and would ultimately, of course, as we know, get relegated at the turn of the millennium. And speaking of Southampton, they would lose on the fourth day. Losing to Manchester United, Dion Dublin scoring his first Manchester United goal there. The winning goal at St Mary's at Manchester United, surviving two games in three days, such was the quirkiness of the of the Premier League scheduling at the time, of course. Not mentioned it yet, but it's 22 teams in the Premier League, which would get sorted out in a couple of years, but uh, for now, it isn't. Everton leave it late to beat Aston Villa, finally getting a win on the board. Meanwhile, Eric Cantona bags the first hat-trick of the Premier League season as they bounce back resoundingly with a 5-0 win against Spurs. Surprising that it took so long for a hat-trick to get scored the fourth match day of the uh, new season. Meanwhile, Ipswich, a lot more regular in their draws. Draw or specialists, so to speak, drawing 2-2 with Liverpool. Meanwhile, Sheffield United and Middlesbrough, uh, Wimbledon rather, come together for the same scoreline. And it is a mark of the new season, really. There's a lot of draws early on. Palace and Sheffield Wednesday draw 1-1. Chelsea and Blackburn also draw. Blackburn uh, doing quite well to kick off this season. Meanwhile, Kripupia, similarly, their fantastic run is prolonged. Andy Impey, if you remember him. I don't remember him at QPR. I remember him at Leicester, maybe, with that LG kit. Um, they get a winner at Highfield Road, so Coventry's good start, not... Uh, being quelled a little bit there. Arsenal record back-to-back 2-0. Winsy and right bagging again at home to Oldham. And then they would win 2-1 against Sheffield Wednesday. So really getting into the thick of it now for Arsenal. Bouncing back from two early defeats to then Ian Wright cont- continuing the hot streak. Ray Parler, Paul Merson would score the goals. Ian Wright getting two assists against Sheffield Wednesday there. Leeds and Liverpool in another fa- another fantastic game. Another big game for Liverpool as well. They- Getting all their hard fixtures out of the way early doors here. Gary McAllister scoring the pick of the bunch there at Elland Road. Meanwhile, Blackburn beat Coventry. Alan Shearer's blistering start to the season continues again, scoring from the spot, as was his sort of uh, style at the time. Ipswich draw again. Draw this time to Tottenham with Jason Cundy of uh, TalkSport fame, unfortunately, scoring a bizarre 60-yarder, which was essentially a tackle, which flies into the top corner. 
And the Monday Night Football has a strange quirk to it, really, uh, between Norwich and Nottingham Forest. Lennox Lewis gives a pre-match interview saying that he likes Brian Clough because he's funny. Um, not the most famous boxer that Brian Clough has tangled with, obviously, with his uh, bits with Muhammad Ali there back in the day. Um, he doomed Nottingham, as he calls him, um, because he claims they'll win the match, obviously, at Carrow Road. They lose, they lose 3-1 and Forrest dropping like a stone. Alternatively, Norwich, they go top. Two wins in three days after a 2-1 win against Palace. And elsewhere, QPR's fantastic run ends at Stamford Bridge. It had to at some point there. They lose 1-0. Manchester United and Aston Villa keep up their good pace with a 2-0, with 2-0 wins away. Meanwhile, Man City and Oldham are involved in another 3-3. A lot of high-scoring draws in the early stage of the season here. All of those six goals scored in the first half. I don't think that's ever happened since in the Premier League. So there we go. History being made in the very first weeks of the Premier League. And these players do not get a rest in the 42-game season. There's more midweek action. Every, every single game week had a midweek. It was relentless. The spoils were shared between Liverpool and Southampton, Middlesbrough and Ipswich, Oldham and Leeds and QPR and Arsenal. I told you there was a lot of draws. <laughs> Maybe teams not uh, too scared to lose. Maybe the money was becoming an issue around this stage. Uh, Manchester City grab a much-needed win at Wimbledon. Informed David White grabbing the goal there and Chelsea put three beyond Villa away from home. Villa's great start. Kind of teetering off here. Um, Coventry gets kind of half-shocking win at Hillsborough here. Lee Hurst and Peter and Lovu scoring the goals there and Teddy Sheringham finally gets on the score sheet for his new club. Tottenham in a 2-0 win against Sheffield United, of course. Started the season off well. Um, he would carry on like a house on fire, really, showing him as the season continues. Aston Villa bounced back the following week with a 3-0 win against Palace. You got to the likes of Dwight York, Steve Staunton and Steve Froggart. Three Premier League legends, or at least mainstays. And you see there, Villa... Bouncing back here, they would start to uh, cobble together a few more wins here to uh, find themselves in the top four. Meanwhile, Blackburn, similarly, 4-1 against Forest. Forest looking doomed right from the outset. And Alan Shearer with another double. Dean Saunders gets his uh, last couple of goals in his final game for Liverpool, last game at Anfield as well. And another big game for Liverpool, really. A 2-1 win against Chelsea, although... Admittedly, Chelsea were fairly new promote, newly promoted around this stage. Norwich beat Southampton with Mark Robbins again, the uh, catalyst for that win. Manchester United beat Leeds in the biggest game of the season so far, the champions versus the champions elect. 2-0, Steve Bruce scoring. Cantona not scoring, but uh, caught the eye and it wouldn't be long before he would be back at Old Trafford, famously. And Arsenal, Ian Wright gets a couple of goals again. Again, carrying Arsenal, he is in the early stages of the Premier League. But even his two goals aren't enough as uh, they're pickpocketed by a late Robbie Earl winner losing 3-2 at Sellers Park. Meanwhile, Middlesbrough beat Chef United. Chef Wednesday lose to Man City and Coventry beat Oldham all to nil, getting clean sheets in that one. And we move on, Blackburn winning another monumental clash, this time against Arsenal. Um, another sole Mike Newell goal. And if it wasn't Mike Newell, it was Alan Shearer with hatfuls of goals. And this was really the basis on what Blackburn sat, formed their title push. And it was a title push, even though they were newly promoted. And you'd see a lot of teams like this in the early stages of the Premier League go for that um, 
title push almost. You see Nottingham Forest when they get promoted later on in a few years. You'd see Newcastle as well do it. They'd be all in the top four. And that really isn't a thing anymore, sadly. The closest we've got is Ipswich in fifth in 2001. Sunderland did it a couple of times. Seventh, didn't they, in 2001 and 2002. But that kind of thing is never really seen anymore. And... Um, Everton lose three, win three two away from home. As do Norwich. Sheffield United get a another stunning win, another one nil win. This time against Liverpool in the reverse fixture. There, Leeds beat Leeds and Aston Villa share the spoils, keeping Leeds kind of in touching distance. Aston Villa slightly ahead. Meanwhile, you got Oldham rescuing a point. Ipswich and Sheffield Wednesday get much needed wins on the board after a fairly slow start to life. Ipswich would be. Uh, like Coventry, like Southampton, looking fairly doomed and not really doing much of anything in the first few seasons of the Premier League and they got a much-needed win here. QPR back on the board with a win at St Mary's. It's not St Mary's. I've been saying St Mary's the entire time of it is, of course, the Dell, of course. Silly me. Meanwhile, Middlesbrough pick up another win, this time at Man City, famously at the Etihad at this stage, of course. No, obviously, main road. Meanwhile, Coventry win the day against Tottenham on Monday Night Football with John Williams, the famous Hollywood <laughs> Hollywood uh, composer scoring there. Aston Villa continue their hot streak. They've got a, a new name in and amongst the game weeks here, and that is, of course, Dean Saunders. And who does Dean Saunders face in his first match for the Villa? It is, of course, his former club Liverpool marking his debut with two goals. And a game, sadly for Saunders, he scores two on the day in a 4-2 win, but he's a game famous for that. Uh, Ronnie Rosenthal miss rounds the keeper. Acres of room, open net, slams it against the bar, of course. Another famous moment from this week is a 1-1 a draw between Manchester United and Tottenham. Seemingly, seemingly not all that. Not all that much headline grabbing there, but the superb Ryan Giggs goal where he touches it round the goal, he touches it round. Fantastic run from Giggs. Not the last time anyone would say that. Um, fantastic goal, and he's often played in his highlight reels, um, less so these days, of course. Also sharing the spoils likes of QPR and Middlesbrough, another 3-3. Three, three, uh, wild for the 3-3s. Three, uh, Sheffield United, another upset drawing with Arsenal 1-1, one, one, Southampton and Leeds, Blackburn and Mid Wimbledon, of course. And Everton's inconsistencies at home show again in a home defeat to Palace. Some things stay the same, don't they, <laughs> down the years as we enter into our 30th Premier League season. Norwich crucially get back on the board with a win against Chef Wednesday. Chelsea likewise at Main Road. Oldham happily scoring quite a lot of goals, Oldham. They scored five against Forest. They're scoring four more here against Ipswich. And Nigel Clough would bag his first Premier League goal for his dad on Monday Night Football in a 1-1 draw for Forrest. Just five points on the board Forrest get here. So Sheffield Wednesday, they bounce back as a lot of teams are jostling sort of a position here. They beat Spurs 2-0 with Mark Bright in form for his new club. Spurs' rotten run kind of continuing here. Chelsea labour to a point at home to Forrest. Forrest's fifth point there. Coventry, surprise once more with a point at home to Norwich Southampton, dredging themselves clear with a with a late winner with from uh, Ian Dowett at his future employers, Crystal Palace there. There's no goals in the games between Ipswich and Sheffield United and the disappointing Manchester United against QPR. Meanwhile, Leeds make up the ground on their title rivals by United with a 
with a 2-0 win against Everton. Everton again losing at home, so that is a mark of Everton's Everton's season in 1992 and also in 2021. Wimbledon stun Liverpool late on another Robbie Earl late goal for the Dons there. Meanwhile, Dean Saunders gets another double for his club as one of the more prolific scorers in the first part of the first season here, this time at Ayrson Park. And they were into sixth place. Manchester City suffer another slender defeat this time to Ian Wright, who is in magnificent form. Um, should have gone to the Euros, shouldn't he, really? Um, against Arsenal, obviously, there. And now Man City are looking over their shoulder on 11 points with Oldham. So we may as well go to the league table now. So that is August and September wrapped up on the Barclays. So with 10 games played, unless stated, which I will, Norwich lead the league with 23 points. Obviously, still three points for a win here. Let's not forget. Blackburn have got 21 points. Coventry, 20 points. Man United round off the top four, which means absolutely nothing in this day and age because the Champions League isn't open to four teams, is it? It's just the one. Man United have got 18 points there. QPR have got 17. Villa, 16. Borough with a game in hand on 14 points. Likewise, with 14 points, Leeds and Arsenal. Chelsea and Ipswich on 13, Chef Wednesday and Everton on 12, Man City and Oldham on 11. In mid-table hell, and then you've got more teams looking over the shoulder, like Southampton and Spurs, not off to a great start, Spurs, with 10 points there. Likewise, Liverpool with 9 on the cusp of the relegation zone with Wimbledon. Only out of the relegation zone on goal difference, because Chef United have 9, Palace have 8, and Forest with a game in hand, but does it matter? Nope, they've got 5 points. So, of course, next week we'll be looking at October 1993 and fixtures that sort of stand out from the next month. First and foremost, you'd say Arsenal versus Chelsea, but looking at the league table, Arsenal are sort of lower end of the top half, Chelsea just slightly behind them. It's a mid-table six-pointer, which is essentially what Arsenal-Chelsea would be roughly until Arsene Wenger took charge, which is around the same time that Chelsea sort of came into their own and was fairly decent in the cup competitions, you might remember, with the Cup Winners' Cup, the League Cup, the FA Cup etc. Manchester City and Forest played on the same day, the 3rd of October there, which is kind of a relegation six-pointer, and then Manchester United-Liverpool, one of the biggest games in English football history, even if Liverpool kind of lower in the table now, Man United are pushing for that first league title since 1969, of course, and the same weekend, Villa versus Blackburn in a, in a, a clash between the two early front runners, which ones are well, they're kind of both surprises. Although the money spent by Blackburn is kind of bordering on the insane and kind of demands a trophy or at least threatening a trophy. In the midweek of the following week, we've got Blackburn versus United, two more front runners, of course, QPR versus Leeds, which pits the surprise packages of QPR currently in fifth as we stand here on October the 1st, 1992. And they, of course, the surprise packages against the champions in Leeds. And who will win out? Who will possibly take the yeah, three points there? So memorable moments, things that I obviously can't remember because I wasn't even born. I was currently in the womb, there or thereabouts, um, around this time. So memorable moments from the month just gone. You've got, of course, Teddy Sheringham with the first goal on Sky Sports, as it's, as it's known on Landmark, really arbitrary landmark but in terms of the grand scheme of things and how Sky transformed football and broadcasting football in general really into the 21st century that should be although I'm not really it is a corporate milestone isn't it really rather than anything else but Sky 
ultimately have changed the landscape as much as we don't like to admit it. But the real lands- the real milestone is Brian Dean with the first Premier League goal ever in a 2-1 win against Man United, of course. You've got Alan Shearer's screamer, which springs to mind the... The Ryan Giggs goal against Spurs, memorable goals, of course. Um, QPR with a bit of surprise package talk there. And I think they do fin... I may be getting it a bit wrong. I think they do finish in the top six. They're definitely there or thereabouts. And for a team that, if you're of my age, you probably won't remember them being any good. They had had two, three seasons, sorry. Obviously, they stayed up on the final day of the 2011-12 season, didn't they, famously? So they've got that season and another one. And then less memorably, the 2014-15 season, I think. I only remember that because Louis van Gaal calls QPR Queen's Park Raisins, of course. Um, Blackburn, we, of course, remember being good. And obviously the money being spent, of course, Alan Sheeran (laughs) demands a lot of that as well. Chris Sutton would come in soon, I think. And by that point, obviously, Blackburn would ascend to something completely different. Um, as we remember, Norwich and Villa forming a bit of a surprise title push. So you've got your four key players in there, Blackburn, Norwich, Villa and United, who would probably be the four. Leeds would drop away, Arsenal drop away, Liverpool have already dropped away <laughs> only in the first two months. And um, the feeling I had from watching these games, you don't get this sustained openness too much anymore. The the league table now usually settles itself down around, around mid-September. So you've got your six teams usually in the top top eight usually now your top six teams in Leicester maybe as well you don't get or you very rarely get a team battling relegation like Liverpool seemingly are here and let's not forget even though Arsenal do go on to be worse than what they are in this season obviously they lose George Graham next season Bruce Rioch would come in they were champions in 91 and we're in 92 here obviously a season in between with Leeds winning the league yeah, I mean, it's quite, quite it's kind of open. They are in mid-table. Let's not forget Chelsea. And obviously, it's not, we shouldn't be viewing Chelsea from the same viewpoint as we have today. Chelsea, at this point, were promoted early in the 90s. They aren't an established Premier League team. They have as much clout, I think, around this stage as probably Man City. And Man City, obviously, like Chelsea, not the team they are now, of course. You can thank the takeovers of the 2000s for that one, which we'll, of course, cover when we get round to it. Cantona, of course, that's a good milestone to have, isn't it? The first ever Premier League hat-trick. Um, the champions, as a result, had the, despite the hat-trick, they've not making a good go of it. As some champions do, we'd see the likes of Chelsea, Man United, Leicester, of course, in recent years, Liverpool, maybe, uh, doing likewise, but... In this stage, when it was a lot more open, it, I think the league was a lot more unpredictable because of the money, and it was almost like a level base. As we moved on, and teams have been able to commercialise and monetize certain things better than others, and as the world's got, from our perspective, smaller, you can, with the history of a Man United and the new history of a Chelsea or Man City, monetize your global brand a lot more, and it obviously makes money making a lot easier and of course makes getting good players a lot easier as well and that is why we see that's that's the top six boiled down into one sentence ladies and gentlemen <laughs> and uh, obviously great goal scorers in any every era of the Premier League but here I think we do have a good band of great scorers even from the first two, first two months here Ian Wright 
Matt Robin, Mike Newell, Alan Shearer, Eric Cantona, Dean Saunders, and we can't forget Les Ferdinand, who would come into his own a lot more as the season pushes on and would get his big move soon enough, of course. And that is all we have time for today on the Barclays. We have covered the first two months. We'll be looking at the next two months later on, and it is October and November of 1992, of course. Thank you for donating to What If Football. If you do, if you don't, it's patreon.com forward slash What If Football. We will be here on ACAS, Spotify, Apple, and Amazon. Well, wherever you get your podcasts, really, every Friday to discuss the Premier League of years gone by. But until next Friday, until next time, until later on, if you're catching our YouTube What If, of course, daily at five o'clock. Until then, silly. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.